On this week's episode of Deal and Extend, we dive into what email is like in 2020. of Deal and Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 37 of Deal and Extend. This is a community-powered podcast where we take conversations from the DLN community, like the discourse forums, telegram groups, discord server, and so much more. We also snag topics from around the network and give you our takes. This week, I have my fantastic co-host with me, Nate, who absolutely loves his open SUSE and I do playing with lights. I am. I'm actually playing with a lot of lights. But no, working on my Linux powered Christmas festive lights, whatever you want to call them. I say festive because I use them all year long, not just Christmas. You know, right now they're Christmas lights, but then there'll be Valentine's lights too. So. But I know you did something for Halloween with them, right? I did. I made a uh, a Ghostbusters uh, t- music to Ghostbusters like sequence. Although it wasn't, I, I wasn't real happy with it. One of these strands of lights that were like run off of AC power didn't do what they were supposed to do, but that's okay. I'm working on Christmas now. We've moved on. Uh, you know, I had, I had Thanksgiving lights too, because I, I think Thanksgiving needs their own Heck yeah. orange, red, and yellow look. You know, why not? Give, give a little more flair to the house. Yeah. Gets, gets, yeah, it gets a little skipped over. So I, I, yeah. And then um, I'm doing some wiring of, of, uh, of, of the, the new lights into the system. You know, it's not all plug and play. It's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more to it. But so I'm, I'm soldering like these power injection cables so that I don't have these voltage drops down the strands right now. And then uh, I'm, I'm putting on these vertical, doing some vertical lines on my columns in the front of the house instead of doing like wrapping them. Now it's not a fancy, these aren't fancy columns. This is, this is like, a, I, li- I live in a, like a 1200 square foot bungalow. So it's not like a, it's not a fancy house. But anyway, so I'm adding about 2000 lights to my system. So I have, it requires another power supply. Not that I'm worried, not that I'm be like blasting it at full at any point in time, but uh, each power supply I have can only push about 360 watts of power. So there's a limit as to how many obviously lights you can do. But since I'm not doing all white all the time, I'm not stressing, stressing it like I would be stressing the whole time. So I'm leaving a little bit of headroom in there and uh, yeah, I'm adding some snowflakes, doing some candy canes, a, a giant pixel tree that have a thousand ninety lights in that. I'm really excited. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun. I think it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to doing the sequences to music. I got three, uh, four songs picked out. Uh, two of them I'm going to reprise from last year and, uh, and then two new songs. And uh, you know, someone says, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't use last year's music. It's my house. I can, I can do what I want. You know, it's not like I'm doing it for me. <laughs> and then you can compare. Right. Yeah, absolutely. As you're talking about adding all of these extra lights, I just keep thinking of Clark Griswold and the additional <laughs> lights that get plugged in and the house that glows like the sun. He is essentially my spirit animal <laughs> uh, this time of year, Clark Griswold. <laughs> uh, and I do, I do like Christmas vacation. I don't have a neighbor like he did, like, you know, crotchy neighbors. Oh, you're lucky that way. I think they yes. were, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, in fact, my neighbors like it. And mm-hmm. you know, I, like, like all the lights not actually on, like when it's in a daydream mode. So, so even if, like, even with like 3000 lights, some odd lights on only about maybe uh, three quarters of them will be on maybe at one time. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, one, I don't want to just burn the lights, you know, I don't just burn the, the electricity. It's part of like an animation sequence then. So like the lights just kind of like shift over time. So it's not, um, you know, so it's more interesting, I think, rather than just be on. That's, at least that's my opinion. Yeah, then a stagnant light show or a stagnant light. Right. Setup. Yeah, then it's like, whoopity do. And also I don't like it flashing either all the time. 
because that can be annoying for neighbors. So I just kind of have it oh, yeah. um, a l- little more, little more calm, bright, but calmly bright, if that makes any sense. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's probably a good thing I'm, I'm not married because I think if I had a wife, she'd be really upset about the lights all over the dining room right now, <laughs> but um, got to count your blessings, I suppose. <laughs> yes, I, absolutely. Absolutely. I know um, my husband, we got a, a China hutch for a really good deal earlier this year. And most of my dishes were stuck in a back room on shelves. And as we were pulling them out so we could put them in this big china hutch, it got to the point where my husband looked at me and he's like, oh my goodness, how many more dishes do you have? And it's like, (laughs) well, that was only one shelf and there's another one to go. (laughs) I bet he loved it. Yeah, it, it was definitely interesting as they're like covering the dining room table and everything. Because before putting them away in the china hutch, I wanted to wash them all, right? It makes like, sense, right? So. Especially living in Idaho and kind of what you like, a high desert? Is that what it's considered? Or uh, Yeah, we're, we're high mountain desert, high elevation desert. So, so it's probably dusty. And so, it's, you know, they needed a good scrub down. It makes sense. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. Yes. Yeah, it's very dusty. Very dusty here. Something that's not dishes related would be my kitchen system. I guess that almost is dishes related, right? Because I'm usually cooking dinner or whatever. And so I've had my kitchen system now. It's a a kitchen appliance. Yes. I've had it now for almost a year. And I have to say, I love this thing more and more all the dang time. I think everybody should have a kitchen system because whether it's like videos going or podcasts going or, you know, looking something up, I've actually done quite a bit of Christmas shopping from the kitchen system this year. Wow. I mean, it's kind of funny because it's in this area where like everybody's passing through all the time, but I know like the kids are doing something else or whatever. And it's just kind of like been looking and doing a little bit of shopping here and there. And it doesn't look like mom's doing anything different. Right. Right. But I'm getting some Christmas shopping done. So it's it's such an amazing thing. And I can't imagine. Are you running plasma? Oh, absolutely. Yes. It's running Manjaro with uh, plasma as the DE. Super smooth. I mean, I. So you could create one, an activity. You could create a separate activity where you hide all the Christmas shopping. And then uh, and the kids would never know. Yeah. Just, you know, one meta key tab. And then you can just yep. hide it all. Hide it all. And back to whatever else is on the screen. Yeah. Just super smooth. Yep. and Just YouTube. Just YouTube and recipes. That's it. That's it, kids. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Unless you want to help in the kitchen. <laughs> I, I love the system that I built earlier this year. I mean, it's probably my favorite system in general as far as hardware goes. But the system that gets used the most day in and day out for just everyday things is the kitchen system. And I cannot imagine not having one anymore. They're glorious. I actually, I have to totally agree with you. My kitchen system probably gets more use than my, what I call my main computer, yeah. like my main workhorse computer, because I'm just, I'm in the kitchen so much and, you know, I, I, I need one thing or another and, you know, I've got all the chat apps there too. You know, I got Zoom there so I can, you know, participate in the destination Linux, you know, behind the scene, you know, backstage pass, whatever. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always, I'm always in the kitchen. I'm not always in my, you know, my, my super cubicle as it were. And so I, I think that it just gets more use when I'm at home than anything else in the house. It's so accessible. Yeah. And it's right there. And, you know, it hangs above my sink. And, you know, as I'm washing dishes or putting stuff in the dishwasher, I can look up or, you know, whatever, you know, a lot of times a lot of YouTube stuff uh, or the video or library. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's one thing I still need to do. I need to get mine mounted. Um, So it's still sitting on the kitchen counter, which is a little bit dangerous, right? I do have a mechanical keyboard on that system, 
but um, it's a cheap one, one that I was given and I don't want anything like super expensive, especially where it's sitting on the counter. It can't kind of be picked up where spills and stuff can happen. And where the keyboard is, it's right under where I store glass jars. And I've had a glass jar fall out of the cupboard <laughs> and break off a key cap. Nice. So <laughs> not, nothing super expensive is, you know, going on the, the counter at this point. So I do need to get the rest of the main body of the system lifted up and mounted. I have a plan to do it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. I, uh, I've lost one keyboard now due to, uh, water because some idiot and by idiot, I mean, me <laughs> was, uh, uh, went from doing like putting dishes in the dishwasher, right. To typing something and got just tons of water in the keyboard. And so then it just started like pressing random keys all the time. Oh no. <laughs> I wonder if I can, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a wireless one too. It's a really nice wireless Logitech that I got. It has like a touchpad on it. So it's like, you know, I can just use it for everything. I can just grab it. Oh yeah. A real nice one that I ruined. I, I should probably take it apart and see, see if I can bring it back. It's just like a matter of maybe some isopropyl alcohol. Yeah. Clean it up. Cleaning off whatever, like, you know, bits of debris. Could be, could be like food debris inside there for all I know. I mean, I don't know. It's like, I, I knew better. I, I totally knew better and I did it anyway. So what an idiot. But uh, yeah, those. I mean, it, it happens. We all get busy doing stuff. I mean, heck, I pulled out a cast iron pan from the oven that I was seasoning. You know, I used the, the hot pads to grab it. And then for some reason, you know, mind blank, I grabbed the handle to roll the oil around in the bottom. 400 mm. degree pan. Yeah. yeah, that hurt. So yeah, we, we all do wonderful <laughs> so things you, like you that. You seasoned Just... your hand a little bit is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, it felt lovely. My husband just looked at me like, "Really? Wow." <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But awesome, I mean, like very painful. <laughs> very painful, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Matt won't be here this week. Uh, my understanding is maybe he's out in Canada hunting Pokemon now. Is that is that what we heard? You know, you had so much fun doing it that he needed to go have a trip. And hunt some Pokemon too. Yes. It must be, yeah. <laughs> let's hope let's hope his isn't as long as, as mine, right? Yeah, hopefully he'll be he'll be back sooner. Not not <laughs> quite such a lull, but hopefully he has just as much fun as you did too. This episode of Dion Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point your GitHub repositories and let the App Platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, and Docker. DigitalOcean runs all of their App Platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with any other products. Plus, they built this new app platform on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup. As a listener to DLN Extend podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. Actually, better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you go to do.co slash DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN to get started with your $100 credit on top of DigitalOcean's new app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. 
There was a really neat conversation on episode 201 of Destination Linux where they had Hannah Biznikoff of Tutnoa Press, the Tutnoa Press officer on to talk about email. And one of the things that I found really fascinating is not only was she a marketer beforehand, but the way now diving into privacy with Tutnoa kind of changed her view of marketing and email in general. Yeah, she, she made the comment about how uh, she didn't think about privacy because in communication, you tell people everything. And so it was kind of, it was a, a little bit of a shift for her, you could say. And uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of, kind of amusing, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was interesting. Like the, like they're really, really honing in on the privacy of email and listening to their users as opposed to, you know, like with some free services out there, they make the users the product. Right. Yeah. They, they gathered the data in order to sell it. So you are, the, you're, you're not getting it free because you're selling your data in order to use that service. Right. Right. And so it's interesting to see how like, you know, they, they obviously they have a paid tier as well. That's how they fund it. They, they fund it through their paid tiers, not through selling your data through advertising. And I, well, one that that brings me a smile because, you know, I'm, I've been moving away from those quote free mm-hmm. services more and more as much as possible, you know, using cubiclenate.com, e- you know, email from, from that that I, I pay for. But it made me think, though, you know, maybe that maybe that might be a, a good alternative. I, I haven't actually looked into if they offer like a, like custom emails or whatnot. You know, I, I have no problem paying for email at this point. Right. I, I guess is where, I, where I'm kind of getting to this you know, with this. I mean, I don't know how like you use email today versus 10, 15 years ago. I use email a lot differently. I use it more for social, like keeping contact with people. Yeah. And and today probably not as much. It's more like business or or uh, official mail, I guess you could say. And then the different things like, you know, Telegram or or forums or whatnot. I use more for you know the social or interacting with others more so than email. Although I do have email lists. You know, like the OpenSUSE uses an email email list system so I can, that's how I stay on top of what's going on over at OpenSUSE to the best of my ability and so forth. But, but how, how do you use email now as opposed to, let's say, you know, 15 years ago or whatever? And I really never used it that much as a communication thing back and forth uh, with people. It was, you know, usually more traditionally phone call, that kind of thing for anybody that I wanted to keep in touch with. But I guess in some ways it has changed. So yeah, my, my email is definitely more business related. And I actually have, well, I have several emails, but for personal use, I've got two main ones. So one, I have like the old um, free one that I've, I've had absolutely for years. And anymore, I only use that one if there's something that I need to give my email to. And I really don't want to give them my good personal one. I give them this crappy free one and I don't care the junk that comes into it because that any minority is what that email is for. The junk goes there and then I don't have to worry about it. And then if it's something, you know, I want to keep private, it's for stuff that I really want to see and get the emails from. I use a secure private email address that I also pay for. And I really don't pay that much for the service I use. Mine actually comes through MailFence. I've been using them now for, I think we're coming up on three years just had the the third renewal something like long so i've been using them for a little while i've really liked the way it goes and and they also have a, a free version and a paid version so their free version you have you can only use the the website to check your email and that kind of thing and because they do have a free one the kids don't 
aren't receiving a whole lot of emails, but for the, the school that we're going through this year, so online public school that, that we've been going through this year, um, they required mm-hmm. each kid to have an email address. Well, I'm not setting them up a Google email. I, you know, I don't want them to have that. Right. So I was able to use MailFence to set each one of them up their own quote unquote email address for what they needed as part of school and not have to worry about a, their information now being out there on Google and then B, I know it's private and secure. So any of that school stuff that's coming in, that's received by them, which also comes to me anyway, <laughs> it is still on a, on a private secure mail provider that I right. trust. It's good that you have oversight on their email, I would say. Yeah. Pretty important, especially when the youngest is six. I mean, come on, what does he need email for, right? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, my oldest nine, he doesn't need email, but he has an email. Uh, if you like to email him, it's, uh, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm really liking these different services that are really focusing on the private user. And in the scope of things, they really don't cost that much. And a cool thing about Tutanoa is they have so many different plans that it's, it's not only for the personal use, they have some really neat stuff for business. And it's great to see that not only can the personal user have a good secure internet, businesses can have those quality secure email addresses. So stuff that's coming back and forth between them, clients and customers, the, the data is safe and they're protecting their customers that way too. What I think is like really neat is, well, well the Tutanota, what they have, uh, their free one has, you know, a gigabyte of storage, which I think is crazy amount of space. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that I would even fill that up, but the, um, but they even give you a calendar as well. That's also encrypted by their, I don't recall the encryption that they have, like some sort of AES, some, something, something industry standard type encryption, not PGP. They use their own encryption scheme. And they also include that on their calendar and whatnot. Because I find it very important for like when I use email, like I create tasks from my emails and that I put that right to my calendar immediately. Oh, nice. So that's that's nice that they have that tied together on their end as well. Now, I, I tend to use, the way, the way I use email is I, I use uh, Kmail. That's you know, part of the KDE personal information management suite. You know, some people don't like contact. It's called contact, I guess. Maybe K-Organizer would be easier, but that would be make more sense. At least that's what Michael says. But K-Organizer is just the calendar. So yeah, whatever. You should have said, K- you should have said calendar with a K. Right? <laughs> yeah. That would made more sense, right? <laughs> it would, but KDE is not very great with naming schemes sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's fine, I guess. So what I, what I have going like right now, um, I have multiple emails that come here. I do support for militarycac.com for the Linux, uh, for using the, uh, the smart card in Linux. So I, I have like an, that email that's plugged into there. And then I have uh, a couple of uh, Google accounts. And then uh, one at DeLorean.net. I have Comcast. And then I have my cubiclenate.com. So it's pulling all these things in. And I, and I need a good client that can actually handle all that. Yeah. And, and to this day, Kmail seems to be the only client that really does it the way I like. Uh, I mean, it could be a little bit more resource friendly it, and it doesn't have the hiccups that it used to, but I mean, so I still use email a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot. I mean, I, I mean my email every day. So yeah, it's very important to me. And I, I don't, but this, the thing is that, that, that the that interview that like, kind of really made me think though is, so I don't actually encrypt any of my email at all. 
Yeah. And I'm not sure like, because nothing I'm doing at I, I, this time really requires that, but I could see how, you know, there, there is a need to encrypt, especially if you're like, let's say you're a journalist and you're talking to people, you know, whistleblowers or whatnot, you know, because those things go on. Yeah. You, you definitely need to keep that communication secure and making sure that the person that's giving you information is protected. Exactly. Because, you know, there are times to better protect yourself and so forth. And I can definitely see where something like Tutnota or I think it's a, another one's called Proton Mail, right? I think this is, that's another popular one out there. Yeah. Yeah. Proton Mail also has some good private inter- or email. Right. And to me that this is a whole new like you know, thing about encrypting my email. This is, this is like, uh, in, in a way, this is kind of like a whole new area. Like these are so many things I don't understand as far as like, you know, how, how does that encryption work so that the person on the other end can actually decrypt the email you know, if you send them an, an encrypted email, like, I don't know how that works, how you share the keys safely. These are things I don't really fully understand. And, and I'm hoping that maybe someone in the DL community can, uh, can uh, maybe maybe enlighten me here. So um, with the mail fence that I use, they, they say that they have end-to-end encryption. So the, the way they describe it is the data is encrypted on the sender's system and only the intended recipient will be able to decrypt it. Nobody in between. So that it arrives at the right place where it's supposed to be, then the information is decrypted. But if it gets stopped anywhere along the tracks, gets pulled because it's not the appropriate sender. And I don't know exactly how that works. How does that work for it to know it's in the right place? How, you know, I am not smart when it comes to any of that stuff. Yeah, neither am I. It'd be an interesting deep dive to go on. It would, it would be. And I, I know Ryan, he's a big, big security privacy guy. So he could probably explain it better. But the, and I could understand like if you have Tutnota to like emailing somebody else within Tutnota. Yeah. I can understand how that would work. But if you're emailing from, let's say, Tutnota to cubiclenate.com and it's encrypted, how would I be able to decrypt it? That's what I don't know. Right. Unless there's something within the email process itself that allows it to be decrypted on arrival. Right. Some sort of like a public key or yeah. maybe maybe it pulls a key from some place. I see, Again, I don't know. I don't know. I understand how that works. But yeah, so it's interesting. You know, that's the, because um, I think email wasn't really intended on being a secure method of, of communicating. Right. I think originally it was a very more an open where you share information. So adding these layers of security on top of email, I think is, is incredibly fascinating. And I'm glad people are like Tutnota are, are working on these things because, you know, numpties like myself will probably need to be able to take advantage of these, you know, encryption schemes and so forth. Now they made another comment on there. Uh, Tutnota is actually, they're, they're, they're working on defending against the future of quantum computing. Now that went over my head incredibly. Like how, how is it they're able to defend against something that doesn't quite exist yet. Like, like, I wish I could even even speak to that, but I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's definitely not anything that I would know anything about and wouldn't even want to pretend to. But I mean, right. th- there are some major computers that can crack different codes and stuff pretty quickly. And maybe they're taking that data, that knowledge that already exists from the current algorithms or supercomputers that are available and maybe helping to kind of step up their game that way in future proofing or just staying maybe one step ahead. I don't, I don't know. That's, that's another yeah. thing that would be really cool to take a deep dive in with somebody knows exactly what they're talking about and can use it in plain English speech. Right. For sure. I mean, to me, it sounds like Tutnode is really, really skating where the puck is going. If they're, if they're really, if they're hedging their bets against quantum computing already when it's not even really exactly a thing. Exactly. So that to me is impressive. <laughs> and that's, wow. Um, I, I even know like, how, how do you even start? 
I, I have no idea. It's one of those awesome things that, you know, you're looking at this open source company and talking about not only the things that they can offer users, the things that they're doing for open source, and then just future protections. This is one thing that I love about open source. They're so focused on privacy and making sure that people are secure, not only now, but later on too. Yeah, I think it's really, it's, that's a really good point. They're focused on security, but with transparency, if that, yes. like, like the, they don't seem like those would go together, but they seem to be putting those together you know, very well as far as they're very, they're public about their audits, they're public about any security breaches that they have. They tell you, which I think is great because, you know, if, if someone breaks in your house, you want to know if you still have your, uh, your things, right? Your jewelry or, or, or whatnot. Right. Yeah. Or, or what they were into or any of that kind of stuff. It, right. It's, it's so much easier to trust a company that is open and transparent with that stuff. You know, it's, if one says, oh, we had an accident and we're going to hide it and not let anybody know until months later, it really shakes your trust, your trust in yep, them. For sure. And if one says, hey, this is an accident. This is what we did to fix it. This is exactly when it happened. You know, we've already got it taken care of now. It's easy to be like, okay, you know, nobody can be 100% secure all the time, right? Stuff is going to happen. Right. But being open and honest about when stuff happens or if it happens, it, it lets you be able to move forward with them in a still very trusting relationship. Right. I think that's that's a sign of a great company right there when they when they communicate with you like that. Hey, this happened. We had a break-in or an attempted break-in even or, or whatever. And and they go forth and they uh, let you know. It's very counter to what what is typical out there. And I think that needs to be noted. You write that down in your... Uh, in your journal. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. This episode of Deal and Extend is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentications, such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is the password manager that I use because Bitwarden is 100% open source. And here are two really cool things. You can self-host your Bitwarden vault and they do outside security audits. Want to check out what they found in the latest audit? You can go to Bitwarden's website, look in their blog, and they give you all of the information. They have the papers released from the company to show you exactly what they found. Head on over to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. Now let's say you're wanting to help out this fantastic open source company and maybe wanting some of the perks that come with a premium account. What are some of those perks? We're talking one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with a YubiKey, U2F, or a Duo, Vault Health Reports, TOTP Authenticator Storage, and Generation, Priority Customer Support. Make the smart move like so many of the people in our fantastic community and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, you will want to sign up for that premium account, help this fantastic open source project and get some of those very nice perks. Thanks so much to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend. Well, speaking of trust, 
I can trust that most of you will be disappointed because Matt is not here this week trying to give you the best game out there for the price at the moment. So you're just going to have to deal with what Nate and I have for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I trust that I'm not going to be spending anything then this week on games because of Matt. Because Matt's not here. Yay! (laughs) Boo. Right. (laughs) I don't want to say yay, boo. (laughs) Matt, why do you have to be so busy hunting down Pokemon? That's right. We miss him and his game recommendations. (laughs) So what have you been up to? What what's your cool thing you're diving into? Outside of getting uh yeah, outside of the Christmas lights, my former employer, which I, I've totally forgotten about it because you know it's been months since I was, you know, let go, as part of a parting gift, they sent me a, a laptop. So I got an HP Elite Book 840 G7. Ooh. And it came with Windows 10, of course. I have yet to turn it on. I've I've actually been staring at it thinking, what am I gonna Wait, what? I know. Well my thing is like I I just hasn't come up yet. I've been busy. So <laughs> I so I got it. You're as bad as Michael. That's one thing we give Michael crap for every single week or just about every single episode of Hardware Addicts is him being too slow to get tech out. You now join that list. Michael and I are brothers. I, I just think we didn't we don't know it until recently. <laughs> anyway, so it's uh it's nice. It's like an aluminum type uh type case. It has a USB C on it and it does have, you know, USB three, so the super speed stuff. But it's smaller than what I have as far as like overall dimensions. Uh, I think it's still a fourteen inch it's like a fourteen inch screen, uh, but you know, a little, little smaller design. Decent size yeah. still. So it's got a a tenth gen i five in it. Uh the, the CPU is actually slightly faster than what I have for my my main laptop that I use. And I was thinking, you know, because actually we talked about hardware previously, that I needed to replace my computer anyway, like not necessarily for like for using it, but like on the go, you know, because like sometimes it's just, yeah, because my main system that I use when I, when I, when I do quote work, it has three hard drives in it and the store hard drives, we don't, it has, it has three SSD, no, two SSDs and a hard drive. And, and so it has a lot of things in it and going on. And so I think it'd be better if I didn't take that with me everywhere because if, if it breaks, I'm kind of, uh, kind of in a bad spot, you know? Oh yeah. So definitely. it might be better if I, if I transition my portable work to this machine, it doesn't have as much storage. In fact, I don't even know how much storage is in there because I haven't turned it on yet, but it only has one spot for one drive. It has a smart card reader, which is nice. Oh wow. So I, I haven't really decided what I'm going to do with it yet. I'll, I'll turn it on today. I promise. Okay. And then I'll put windows, I'll take the windows off of it. Or maybe I should get a different hard drive. I don't even know. I, I've even look, I've, I I got to I got to look at it. But um but I'm going to put OpenSUSE tumbleweed on it of course. Well, it depends on how easy it is to get into because if it's easy enough to get into and swap out the hard drives, swapping them out might be the better way to go. A way to go or actually Windows 10 anymore is so easy to get put back on it except for like the horrible update process which just is Windows 10. That yeah, I mean, if you have a USB stick with Windows 10 on it ready to reinstall for whatever reason that you need to send it back for warranty repairs, mm-hmm. then, you know, that that's typically fairly easy to do. My concern is like, I'd like to have a, I, I don't know what the, like my, uh, my Windows 10 code is, like my, my registration code. So that's why I haven't turned it on yet. Cause I don't know. I don't see it anywhere on the computer. Mm-hmm. I see the little sticker on the bottom, but um, maybe, maybe it's on the BIOS. I don't know. Cause I'd like to be able to use a Windows 10 machine. Uh, you, you typically don't have to do that anymore, especially if it comes with Windows. You, you typically don't have to put in oh. the, the code anymore. See, what do I, I feel like I'm an old man. Like, ah, what's going on here? What? <laughs> How do I change the dial? Well, remember, I recently had to put Windows 10 back on a laptop so my daughter could do her um, Minecraft class because it required the Minecraft education, mm. which required windows 10 so yeah we we went through that process fairly recently and there was no no code needed 
just because it had the the windows um keys and secure boot already that it was good to go gotcha so you're taking away all my fears of, of messing with it there's, there's something new and i get all get all jittery about it it's so weird but um go play with it i should it's really thin <laughs> and that's a mess to it but anyway yes yeah, so that's that's what i have going on there it's, I'm, I'm very grateful my, my former employer actually sent that out they said they would do that and then it had been several months and I kind of forgot about it. And then all of a sudden forgot all about it. It appeared. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's Christmas. That's, that's what I have going on there. As far as tech goes, I'm still, you know, still working on building something else, but we can talk about that at another time. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I should do some testing, testing on that. And may, maybe next week now nah, I will probably won't talk to you for it next week. I'll, I'll, I'll have it ready, but next week it'll, it'll, uh, it'll actually be running. I promise. <laughs> awesome. 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 So Wendy, what have you got going on? Well, we are diving back into photo related stuff and the development version of GIMP has been out for a little bit since the beginning of November. And I'm so excited for this one to launch it. It's just a step right before GIMP 3.0. They're putting in a whole bunch of new stuff into it. One of the great things is it'll be able to work with high DPI monitors better. It'll have Wayland support out of the box. So anybody that's on a system that uses that, you'll have smoother use there. But when it comes to the parts for me that I am so stinking excited about, it comes down to the actual use of the program. And multi-layer selection is here in this development release, which is extremely cool. So before, if you wanted to move, say, a selection of things, you'd have to put them all in like a folder and then move them that way. And But if you didn't want to keep them together, you know, th there was just a whole bunch of moving things around back and forth. And this way, if you want a group of things that you want to all move at the same time because you want to keep them together, but you still want to be able to make other adjustments individually you can select them move them or make whatever changes you want to but still have them be separate layers so you're talking about layers in gimp when you have all those different layers of, of whatever yeah so you can actually copy layers to like a whole new image well e either copying layer layers or say you want to change the size of them or use one of the distortion effects so, i mean there's so many different things that you can do inside it when you're editing an image so take, for example, I ended up doing the schedule for GameFest and I did it in GIMP because it's one of the programs that I know really well. I know it's one of those things I could have used Inkscape for, but there, I was getting frustrated with Inkscape. And it's not because Inkscape is bad in itself. It's because there's stuff that I wanted to do and I just didn't know how to do it quickly and properly in Inkscape. And so I was getting frustrated and I went back to what I knew, which was GIMP or GNU image manipulation, whatever. Anyway, the, the program, I think. Yeah, there you go. Program. So I, I went back to that and there was, I can't remember how many layers that I ended up having total within this image, but each time block I had as a layer group. And then, you know, there was additional layers within inside of that. And then there was things that I needed to change back and forth when working on it. And I needed to change just this part of that layer group and not the whole thing. And 
So then I was pulling stuff out of the layer group to make changes and then having to put them back in. Just extra work that really didn't need to be done. And because of this multi-layer select, I could select that the things that I needed to adjust inside of that layer group, leaving out what didn't need adjusted and completely simplify and speed up that process. That's cool. So you could actually then do like your distortions and as a group of images as opposed to doing one at a time. Right. See, that's cool. And still keep them separate. So when I, when I do thumbnails and such, I have to like, I want to like maybe like layer things to make it a little yeah. more interesting to look at, like the text or something. Uh, it's always irritating because I'll, I'll change one and then I got to go to the other one and change it and try and grab it. But if I can actually grab multiple at a time and then shift them around, mm -hmm. that would make life a lot easier. And it looks like that's a, that's a reality now or it's a, it's a preview. Well, and, and they've been adding stuff in over this two point whatever 2.10 series they, they've really been adding a lot of stuff so this is just one more big step in then making this program so much more functional i love that earlier on in this year in this 2.10 series they added the ability to so you're using the heel tool or the clone brush you can set it now to where it's using layers underneath it which is fantastic it's that is another one of those things that they've added that saves so much time. So say I have several different images that I've blended together. They're all on their own layer because I'm using the darks from this one, the lighters from this one, or variations of several in that, that different layer to get the end image that I want, but I've got dust that needs to be removed. It is such a pain in the rear to try and decide, okay, I've got this speck of dust. Which layer is it on? Instead, now I can put a layer on top and then set it to use all the layers below. So now I'm getting corrections done across the whole image without having a permanent thing, right? Because it's really easy to erase whatever was done on that top layer and then you're seeing the original below it. They're really coming around with some wonderful features at least for me as a photo editor. That's cool. That I'm so excited to see coming. I can't wait to see what the official 3.0 release will be. You know, they, they've already done so much in making it better that I can only see it going up from here, right? We're, we're only getting better from here. That's fantastic. It really is fantastic. And uh, I'm glad to hear that excitement because that means that more people could potentially use this for, for their work as opposed to... You know, some more proprietary yeah. options that are expensive and, you know, expensive and don't work on Linux. So I know Michael regularly says that GIMP is not there for professionals and it's probably not there when it comes to graphic design, which is stuff that he pretty much do. It, it may not be there for him or other professionals in that light, but when it comes to photo editing, there is some amazing tools there that I'm excited to see them develop and continue to grow. Yeah, I'm excited to see that too. What I'm really excited for is for Michael to say, yeah, this will work for professionals. That's that's what I'm holding out for. Yes. I cannot wait to hear. And then and then you can rub it in his face on a, on heretics. I mean, a gentle, maybe a gentle. Yeah, Th that'll be a glorious day, and I'll be doing happy dance, right. and we'll throw and, a party, and, and then Michael will rejoice. Michael stuff. can actually be happy <laughs> about it, and it'll be great. And the and the world will be uh, and world peace will break out. It'll be it'll be a whole new uh, ball of wax. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So instead of Bill and Ted create world peace with their music, it'll be GIMP creating world peace with professional workflows for everybody. Right. Non-destructive video, uh, uh, graphic editing or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
like to continue this discussion with you on Telegram, Discourse, Mumble, or Discord. Visit the DLN website for information on how to connect to the social channels, all of the shows, creators at destinationlinux.network. You can find more information for Nate at cubiclenate.com. Links to my regular written blatherings podcast and YouTube channel can be found there. And then you can follow Matt's ramblings on Twitter at MattDLN. You can also find me on Instagram at Linux and Lifts. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with a fantastic episode of DLN Extend. Until then, have a great week, everyone. See you.